Hi, I'm Melanie Walker and this is Grounded. If gardening is your passion, this is the place to be to find out about what's happening in the gardening world. One of the most important things these days, and I'd say something that we cannot do without, is communication. Now, of course, communication's been around for centuries because otherwise, how would anybody ever do anything? You can't explain your ideas to people. There wouldn't be any transfer of skills. Communication is key, which is why radio and television are still very, very important and things like podcasts as well. What about the people in the areas where they don't get much in the way of communication through electronic means? This day and age means that we need to have more coming to most people, but unfortunately that's not happening. We're talking about things like Wi-Fi, internet access, because we can't live without it anymore. Maslow's hierarchy of needs, I'm sorry, that bottom layer, as we all know, is now Wi-Fi. If there's no Wi-Fi, you have people who are shouting, where's the Wi-Fi, what's your Wi-Fi password? Why have we not got Wi-Fi at the moment? There are some people, however, who are absolutely dedicated to enhancing the lives of people around the world, not just the continent or our country. Those people who believe that people should be educated in whichever form it comes, and especially those who don't have regular access to those kinds of information, which means you have to have some philanthropic people who obviously are not going to do everything just for absolutely nothing, but who will still put their head on the block and make sure that they do get out to other people across the country. To tell us more about one of the ways that we're going to get information to the people, and uh, instead of keeping them stupid, bring them up, uh, is Paul Muller, the founder of Connect Earth. And thanks for coming in. That very long preamble there. Thanks very much, Mel. Connect Earth. What is that about? Obviously, I mean, we're talking about global villages these days, that people can talk to each other a lot easier, but there's still so many thousands and thousands of people who do not have this access. Connect Earth is effectively a specialized consulting business in its corporate form, and we address the whole value chain of the internet access market. But our primary philosophy and driver is driving internet access into what's been called connecting the unconnected. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the mass uh, in Africa. You know, it's the majority of, of Africans that don't have access to the internet and where they do have that access, it's at prohibitive rates. Um, there are a lot of players looking at that particular market, but the biggest challenge you have is at the end of the day, it's all very well providing a form of access, whether it's via a mobile network or a traditional internet service provider, if people can't pay for it. So you have the issue of viability, of providing broadband internet access to the mass of Africans. And at the same time, you have the commercial opportunity that that brings, the uh, the social and educational upliftment opportunity that brings. And so we focus on that bottom end of the market by creating community-focused and community-run internet service providers. Let's take it a step back here. I mean, what, I think South Africa is one of the places that's got the highest data rates in the world. I mean, which is absolutely crazy. How are you going to make something accessible to people at a rate which is not kind of going to break the bank without upsetting all of the big players when it comes to them giving data to people, which is the only way that a lot of people can actually get interconnectivity at the moment? The reason for the high data costs in this country are, you know, it's been covered in extensively in terms of why that is why it is. Well, break it down just why. I'm, I don't know why. I don't read a lot of stuff. At a mobile network level, you've got, a, you've got very, very high licensing fees, which mm. the mobile networks have to carry. You've got shareholders that, that require demands. And then, like any marketplace, you've got demand. South Africans have got an average of two to three SIM cards. 
that they swap out for the best data rates based on the network that they have access to. And they use it extensively. The average spend for data cost is around 250 rand per person in this country. I mean, there's almost 100% penetration of, of phones in this country in terms of access to data and, mm. and the voice networks. So you've got a lot of demand coming from the marketplace. So there's obviously not that much of an incentive to drive the pricing down. I mean, there has been a substantial decrease in, in mobile network costs. But, you know, the internet is a, is a very interesting place. You know, people in South Africa particularly, but we work across Africa, so the, the dynamics change as you go up north. The people in South Africa predominantly use the internet for social media and then for job-related um, activities or study-related activities. Now, if you look at the average corporate South African or the average, call it middle-class South African, mm. working South African professional, if you look at what we use the internet for now, I mean, we could not survive at a personal level, familiar level or corporate commercial level without the internet. You go into, and, and when we're talking about unconnected communities, we're not just talking about people in the far northern Cape. We're talking about people in Alex. You're talking about people anywhere in, the, in any of the urban centers in this country. So the unconnected are not a geographical, they're not based on geography. They're based on what they have access to. So there's a limitation in terms of their budgets, in terms of what they're able to use the internet for using mobile networks. And we're not trying to challenge the mobile networks. In fact, you know, the more we drive uptake in internet access, the more demand there will be on, on the mobile networks, the usage on those networks. We're saying that the internet can be utilized as a tool to improve the community at a localized level. Mm. Africa is made up of thousands of tribes, thousands of, of languages, 52 countries, it's a, it's, a, it's a very diverse population that you're dealing with in Africa. And at its heart is a community, whether it's a community in Soweto, Alex, Tembisa, the Eastern Cape, or, or Kibera in, in, in Nairobi. There are these communities that exist and they have leaders, whether they're tribal or they, they're just communal leaders. They've all got the same challenges. There's, there's educational and skills development challenges. There's social challenges. And the internet has the, the great potential of of educating people. And I'm not talking about A-plus and Cambridge education. I'm talking mm. about developing practical skills to improve people's survival. In what way? South Africa is slowly, very slowly, evolving a cultural of, of entrepreneurism. I mean, we've our government is, is, is constantly focused through the national planning, uh, you know, the, 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 the whole national plan, that they, the development plan that they've got in place, about job creation, mm -hmm. but the focus, I mean, the, the, the country's economy cannot create enough jobs. There's not enough formal industry to, to sustain. I mean, the, the, I think that the un, un, unemployment figures of 6.7 million the other day I think is grossly underestimated, but there's not focus on skills development so that people can build up a skill set which they can use to survive on their own. You know, we, we come from quite a Calvinist environment, but the one benefit that we have from that is that there's pride in work. Mm. And, and that's a very critical human factor. People that do their job well have pride in it. It doesn't matter how poor you are. And there are these global measurements of poverty which are also skewing things because it, it, it pigeonholes people. People then feel sorry for them and then it becomes a whole charitable scenario which mm. is very dangerous in terms of uplifting people. If you give people basic skills in an area they might have a passion or knowledge for or guide them towards that – and you make people sustainable. If you take a look at what happened in Joburg City Centre the other day, you know, I mean, what, what was the point of that whole exercise? Mm. 
You know, there's hundreds of traders. They're surviving. A lot of them are South Africans. A lot of them aren't. They're actually contributing to to our country's economy. And you 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 cut that off. Now, if you go up north, the trading mentality of people in Africa is a very interesting one. South Africa's got social grants where you've got, I think, upwards of 15 million people reliant on social grants directly and indirectly. They've got that to fall back on. You know, mm. schooling and housing, there's more and more subsidization support. You go up north, there's very little of that. You either survive or you die. Simple mm. equation. So what you have are with countries that have got relatively decent education systems like Kenya and East Africa and Nigeria to some extent. Those countries, you know, people live and die to put their kids through school. And they've got to pay for the school uniform, they've got to pay for the food, the books, the whole chitut. Those people have got to find a way of sustaining it. And they do. They trade. Mm. And there's maybe, you know, there's thousands and thousands of traders in the most poor areas that you can ever imagine. And those people produce an economy which thrives. Mm. Um, it's, it's certainly when you walk into it, the look and the smell is, is not something that you think this is a flourishing community. And it's tough. That kind of thing is thriving. And here we are in a supposedly world-class African city where this kind of coming together and the melding of minds just does not happen. It feels very polarized in this country more than everywhere else in, in Africa. It's an interesting observation through our travels. And, and you know, we're basically a collaboration as a business. Mm. We're, we're, we've got layers of collaborators that are specialists and professionals in a whole range of technical and commercial layers. And because of that, we're exposed to a lot of what goes on elsewhere. And mm. South Africa is fairly insular. You know, Jobik's still a mining town. It's very much still, uh, you know, looking out for your number one. Mm -hmm. and, and if you look at the culture of, of what do people go for the first time they start earning money, they start spending money on clothes and cars. Most people's cars in this town are worth more than their houses are. It's, I won't use the word superficial because I'm a Joburger born and bred, but it's, a, it's, an, it's an unusual environment. But there's a, the, the culture, and again, it comes back to what internet access can do for people, is change a culture. It can change the attitude towards what survival actually means because in a very real term, you're, you know, talk about Maslow, you're talking at very basic survival levels mm. here and it's evolving. I mean, I certainly, you know, the South Africa is an amazing place. There are amazing people doing amazing things that we come across that we want to partner with every single day. But the culture has to change from job creation to skills development and self-job or self-employment creation. So Connect Earth isn't just about getting Wi-Fi to the unconnected, as you called them, but also to teach people how to upskill. Absolutely. I mean, the key issue around connectivity, I mean, connectivity is just a roadway. Mm. If you go back a couple of thousand years and look at why, why did the Romans build these roads, it was to create a commercial empire which they controlled. Mm. The internet's got that same principle. It's a roadway. The internet is a media. I mean, Wi-Fi and other means of connecting to phones which are coming down the pipeline is just a means to, for people to connect. Mm. Okay, that, That's a tool. That's a technical tool. The, the reality of it is that what do you do with that in the African communities without patronizing the African mm. community? And that's why we focus very heavily on communities. We partner with community leadership, whether it's nonprofits or tribal members or whoever it might be. We're very much bottom-focused. You know, bottom we drive from the bottom upwards as opposed to from the top downwards in terms of our, our, our entire philosophy. Because at the end of the day, communities in Africa face the same problems mm. you know uh, the languages might differ the culture might differ but the problems remain inherently the same the challenges are met differently but as you said in your preamble the reality is that we're dealing with communication 
But communication is only communication if it's two-way. Exactly. There's no such thing as me broadcasting, and that's the fundamental difference between this is a medium, even podcasting, and the traditional mediums in that this is a two-way medium. I can react, I can respond. An IP broadcast, you know, when we run channels and distribute content through that, we allow people to either live or not respond and communicate in real time mm. and, and, and react in real time. So it's a two-way thing. That improves education and it improves uh, upskilling. I'm thinking like 25 years ago, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have sure. any of those things. We had TV and radio. And radio is still the number one communication, should we say, avenue across the country. Because if you go into little communities, everybody's going to have a radio on sure. because it can run on batteries. You can't do the same thing when you have no power and a television, sure. for instance. So, I mean, the, but a lot of people don't have access to other ways of getting information. They have the state broadcaster, maybe ETV, and whatever happens to be playing on their community radio station in the area. So how do you change that? How do you get people to understand what Wi-Fi is about, what getting other broadcasts, information, shall we say, from be it podcasts or videocasts at a community center, for instance? Demand for internet access is universal. So mm -hmm. we don't have to create demand. We just have to channel that. In channeling that, the way that the beauty of, of any IP-based system is that you can channel the user's experience in whichever way you want to, and people can participate in that or, or they can choose not to. You can run radio stations live or podcast based over a Wi-Fi network very easily. Mm. Models we're building and have built are local content where content is housed in a media server in a community. The community contributes to that content and the community can be churches, it can be businesses, it can be a bigger community, a suburb. At the end of the day, they have control what goes on to the content or they contract us to bring other content in. But if they don't have Wi-Fi, if they only Absolutely. have data, then they're not going to be able to get this content. Correct, which is why we build the Wi-Fi networks around them so that they can access that. So that's the key hub and spoke principle is that the community Wi-Fi network is, is not the traditional network that you necessarily would understand from uh, a deployment in a shopping center here. Mm. The consumption, the content that's being consumed and the engagement is being done on an almost intranet layer localized layer and then dependent on the business model and how you want to utilize that network and how that community wants to access the internet you can then give people access to the open internet based on on the model based on the costing and based on you know a lot of these projects that we are evolving and have participated in they have different business models mm. um, there are reasons why people want to do what they want to do some of it is tribal leadership that just literally wants to engage with its community. So you have public hotspots, they put up uh, podcasts or vodcasts, and they literally on a daily or weekly basis can tell their, their tribal community what's going on in their community and they can people can respond to that. So, mm. you know, the, 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 the models are very, very varied. And technology, what, and when we're talking about what's uh, at the edge effectively of the internet, the technology of what can be applied there is evolving rapidly because that's where the internet is moving to. It's moving to the edge. There's more and more curated um, and controlled experiences in a community. And it doesn't mean you're limiting people to their access to the open internet, but you're saying to them, play in this pond 
you can come outside, you can come back in, but but within this environment, there's value for you as an individual. Mm. There's loyalty schemes. There's uh, there's rewards. There's engagements. There's a, there's an entire economy that's being created digitally and technologically in your community that you can participate in for mutual benefit. I mean, the key driver here is that we put formal and informal business together. It's mm. a very, very important part of our business model. But out of all the people that are unemployed in this country, it's not just the youth. We're talking about sure. across the board. You've got people from 18 to 80 unemployed. Sure. And you said a figure, I mean, some, somebody bandied around is 29% of the population now. So we also want to be training people who are not just out of school. Sure. The, the older Gogo, for sure. instance, who's trying to make her spaza shop work down in northern Absolutely. KZN. But... Getting them into the state where they understand how to use technology these days. I mean, I look at my mother. She's got no interest in learning how to use any of this, which is sad because I think everybody of every age, when this is accessible, should be using it. Sure. So how do you? How are we going to train everybody to be able to use what is going to help them with their future lives? Well, the beauty of the African community is that the youth will train the rest. Mm. I mean, it, it's a natural part of the of the culture. So you'd be surprised what the Gorgon on the Eastern Cape uh, is able to use technologically. But, you know, the, again, technology is, a, is, is as unlimited or as limited as you want to make it. And the engagement layer that you create to cater to the community is very much dependent on that community. You can create, to use an example, uh, if you are in an agricultural community where you've got small farmers, you can create a hub where people come to share their knowledge even upload videos of the successful mm. stories which they can share within their localized community. Inside the hub, you can have uh, daily or weekly meetings where people sit and watch videos or are spoken to. You can have uh, you know, professional professors of agriculture sitting in Potchester and talking to these people live and, and helping them live with questions. The, the possibilities are endless. I mean, big groups like Unilever specifically are moving very much into – the space, they're, they're leading the way. And you have to support that notion. You mm. also have to realize they're a commercial business that at the end of the day want more consumption of their products. That's the world we live in. If you can marry the informal sector with the formal sector where there's balance in trade, because mm. a big problem that we're sitting with in Africa is a lot of the money leaves the community. So very little remains there. You know, that, has to, that balance has to change through the, the catalyzing of the economy at a localized level. So basically, Connect Earth then is working on, first of all, getting Wi-Fi to everybody. Second of all, setting up hubs where you can train people and use the Wi-Fi so people can download video costs and podcasts so they can see how, what they should be doing to train people that way. And then to set up people with skills where they can actually for instance, film things in the area to go out and teach people further. What you've described is, is a very broad product set that we offer. But in essence, we aid communities to set up these networks. We help them with the funding, we help them with the technology and the technical side of things and with the commercial side of things. We bring the revenue drivers to them to help them sustain that network because one of the biggest problems we're sitting with is this notion of free Wi-Fi. You know, there's no such thing as free, obviously. Someone's got to pay for it. So we find and have been finding ways of commercializing these networks so that they can be sustainable. We are by far not the only people doing this in South Africa or in Africa. What makes us different is that we focus on the end user and what they can do with what they receive. Then the layer above that is the service provider and making sure that they can sustain their network with the community below them. 
I mean, you'd be amazed at how many people are prepared to pay for internet access mm. if it's decent at a home level, at a micro-enterprise level, even at a public or a transit level. People will pay for access. They'll pay for content even if you provide quality and it's consistent. The business models are there. It's really just about getting the communities together so that they understand the model and they can apply it to their community. And that's basically what we're doing. We're talking to the communities of Southern and Africa as a whole mm. and saying, listen, we can help you uplift your community using technology, using internet access. Here are models that can be applied and we can help you with that. Here you go. We're not just giving you a fish, we're teaching you how to fish. Sure. That's what I like about it. I've always been one for getting the community uplifted and hopefully it will go on further and further. And uh, I'm very keen to see how this particular project rolls out. Paul, thank you very, very much. Have you got a website address that people can go and have a look and see what you're up to? Connectearth.com. Thank you very much for the opportunity and the time to chat to you. There you go. You want to get involved in community upliftment and also making your country a better place to be? Get along to connectearth.com. For show notes and more information about this episode, go to solidgoldstudios.co.za forward slash grounded. You've been listening to another episode from the Solid Gold Podcast Studios.